Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And this week, we're talking Season 3, Episode 6, titled Torn. You're going to kick me out of my chair, too? Listen, I know you've been through a lot. Don't patronize me. Say what you came here to say. You're full of bile, hatred. And I know that has something to do with Ellen. I'm sorry for that. And if you need time, so will you take all the time you want? But I gotta run a ship. The last thing I need is a one-eyed drunk sitting down here, sowing discontent and disobedience. So I'll tell you once again, Saul. You can pick up that weapon and kill me. Or you can get your ass back into your quarters and not leave. Until you're ready to act like the man that I've known for the past 30 years. A listener comment. We're going to be a little uh, a little unorthodox today. We're going to get right into some heavy content. Ooh, okay. Tell me about Gaius Baltar. Taylor uh, Galloway seems to think he is a great betrayer of his race. Ooh, the great betrayer. Um, he damn, says, man, I gotta th- okay. take one for the team. Don't help the Cylons find the path to Earth and give humanity a head start. Um, it's a compelling post, and I'm glad he posted it, and I'm thanking him for posting it. And uh, it will now become the subject of scrutiny and debate. Okay. Basically, he just says, Baltar has unbridled selfishness. He knows, he goes, unlike Dean, I've always hated Baltar and his unbridled, unbridled selfishness. Um, to which he then conflates with narcissism. That's me editorializing. But he says he's unbridled selfishness. And then he says, I've known too many people with this type of narcissistic behavior, and this episode was the final straw. All I have to do is take one for the team and not help the Cylons find the path to Earth and give humanity a head start. Sure, they may find it eventually, but not as fast as with his help. I feel that is the ultimate betrayal by putting his own life before that of the entire human race. This rewatch was the first time I really noticed Athena's similarities to Baltar's path. And then he is drawing conclusions. Whose betrayal to their own race do you think is worse, Gaius's or Athena's? Do they compare? So that's a really great and thought-compelling post, Taylor, so I appreciate it. Um, And I think it brings up plenty of great discussion material leading into this episode. And I'd like to start there. Okay. Well, one thing I got to say, and I know we're diving right into it. I'm going to go to a a point in this episode. Um, I don't know if Taylor has watched the entire series, uh, but I'll (laughs) say this. From knowing what I know about Baltar up to this point and now seeing this episode, um, I interpreted what happened as him slowing down the Cylons. To be honest, uh, when he goes aboard the dead base star ship that's full of you know dying and seething, diseased Cylons, and he realizes it was a piece of human-made technology that did this, he hides it from them, mm-hmm. even conspiring with another six. Uh, like she knows that he saw, she sees it. She knows that he knows about it, and they look at each other with that knowing glance of like, "I'm not saying about anything about this. Please don't." And she's basically. Uh, accedes to it and she's upset about it you can tell in her face like definitely upset about it but uh uh, goes along with him not saying anything about it um speaking of betrayals that was right and so like to be honest i'll admit at the the start of this episode i kept having that worry too i'm like damn is is gaius just out of his own survival because i mean he is in a horrible spot i mean and and they're they keep putting his head on the chopping block like every other day like what a fucking just to imagine you're in behind enemy lines and they just walk in every morning like all right here's your food here's your new robe also if you uh don't have any value to us today we're probably gonna fucking kill you and it's like ah okay 
Like, that's a pretty rough spot to be. And I feel like with the means that Baltar has at this point uh, aboard the Cylon ships, away from any means to communicate back to Galactica, him finding that piece of man-made technology that is so devastating to Cylons and hiding what it was from them, or at least not telling them, is the most resistance he can put up in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Outside I, of like, just offing himself, is, is Taylor's point. Right. I guess so. I mean, that's that's always a big ask. <laughs> just say, stick a pistol in your mouth, pussy. Like, I don't know. I mean, that's... Uh, I feel bad for, for guys. I, I feel like I have a more charitable view than Taylor. But I see Taylor's point. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy has always kind of I mean, he got pulled into it with the six unknowingly but then there have been these moments throughout the series where maybe he could have put up more of a resistance maybe he could have said something to somebody about what he's seeing <laughs> the contact he's having uh, and he just didn't do enough I, I think there's an argument to be had there um but at this point right now i still feel bad for the dude and, and i think he's trying and and flailing i mean he's obviously like extremely sweaty and anxious and worried about all this and once they say hey we're gonna kill you in this episode he's like okay okay well actually i have some data about what you're looking for and he does offer that up to them it is true but i mean it's either that or die it's always a pretty tough ask for anybody yeah the technology piece and hiding it's a good angle i wasn't even going to take that angle but it seems to be the obvious and most uh direct counterpoint to what to what he's saying here and um and that's a that's a good point so i'll just sort of unpack some of this stuff if i can if possible i don't even know um so unbridled selfishness uh, and and this isn't meant taylor by the way i'm not picking on you i'm just uh, i know you wrote it and i have the advantage of looking at what you read and thinking about it now i haven't thought about it too much so a lot of what i'm going to say is going to be off the cuff a lot of it's going to be thinking out loud um, so pardon me if I get a little pedantic. <laughs> so there, there's my fucking, uh, there's my disclaimer. I think everybody is pretty much indulgent in unbridled selfishness. Everybody on the earth. Um, I think selfishness is one of those really slippery terms. And um, I, I think we all act in our, in, and I think it's because maybe through some sort of weird puritanical biblical reference that the idea of self is really a naughty thing. Um, to, to put ourself above him, capital H, I am, you know, I think it comes, I think it probably comes somewhere from that. Just our, our utter, at least in Western culture, our utter reliance on selfishness being a bad thing. Because I right. think people, when you say selfishness, selfishness, I think that means they just assume your, your, I think it's conflated with greed a lot. Um, I've, I've never quite seen it conflated with narcissism, but it, it's, it seems like a, if you go down the path long enough, it could, it could become that. Um, sometimes narcissists are very self-destructive. But um, I think we all act in, a, in, in one of two ways. I think we always act to improve the way we feel by trying to feel better about something or we try to eliminate the pain we feel. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, think I feel if, like even guaranteeing your own safety and your shelter, it goes along with improving the way you feel. Correct. And you could argue that uh, some sort of, I don't know, that, that some sort of self-destructive behavior it would seem counterintuitive to being selfish, but perhaps you're attempting to not feel something else, right? In other words, you're trying to eliminate bad feeling or you're trying to add good feeling. I'm not saying that's a flawless point. I'm just saying that's a 
a point I've thought about quite a bit because I think when you start to throw selfishness around, and, and obviously not to Taylor's larger point, which makes a lot more sense in the episode, but just in just philosophically in general, I think it can be used as a morality trap, right? Like, oh my God, you're you're so selfish. You don't want to go do this thing that I want to go do. It's like, yeah, I, I, I kind of, like, do you know what I mean? But you know what I'm Which saying, Which is honestly right? that own person's selfishness. Correct, correct. <laughs> and, and it's, and, and you know, like, and that's not now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that good can't come from these feelings because they can. I'm just not saying that it's not always bad. For example, I want to volunteer for Greenpeace, okay, and go help a, a, a village that struggles in another country. Okay, you're doing it because of the way it makes you feel. The byproduct of that feeling is good things happening for those other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. If you yeah. felt nothing, you wouldn't do it. Right. If it right. didn't give you a sense of fulfillment, i.e. an internal barometer to make you feel better, you wouldn't do it, right? And then right. there's other crazy things like a mother stepping in front of a truck to save her child. There, there are these instinctive things too that are hard to kind of pinpoint with intellect. They're just, people just react. Some people run to danger. Some people pull people out of fire. And when asked, they're like, I, I don't know why I did it. You know, so there, there are those exceptions. I don't want to have a, a this is, doesn't mean to be a giant, you know, uh, neurological and philosophical discussion today. But I just think that sometimes, you know, you know, you know how people will always make an excuse about, like if you ask somebody to hang out and they, they just make an excuse instead of just saying, yeah, I'm just going to stay in tonight. Most people won't say that because they don't want to upset the other person because we have right. this thing in our head, like that's a problem. If people wouldn't do that, we'd just probably be more efficient and happier. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass right now. But do you see what I'm getting at? Like, we're so worried about, you know, like, couldn't we just say, eh, I'm good tonight. Okay, no problem. Because I know you're doing the thing that you want to do tonight, and I love you as my friend, and that's cool. And then there are exceptions. You know, somebody gets in a rut, somebody needs to be challenged, you know somebody's kind of depressed, and you need to get them out. So you're like, ah, not tonight. I'm going to push you on this. There's always there's permu there's endless permutations. I guess totally. my point is is that I don't think it's good and or bad. I think it's just a thing, and it can lead to good and or bad. But the good thing or the bad thing is the thing, not the selfishness. Do you see what I'm saying? Wow, yeah, that's really I deep. Do. Sorry, I didn't even <laughs> smoke weed, bro. <laughs> not even blazed out, bro. <laughs> not even blazing, bro. I'm fucking sober as a. Uh, Taylor in the chat listening to Dean makes me feel nothing. (laughs) Oh, he's in the chat? I have my chat minimized. Hey, Taylor, love you, pal. So there's that. Uh, That's good. All right. And then the other thing, because I don't want to belabor this point too long, is the idea of, um, well, let me, before we get to Baltar, let me just address the race, uh, traitor, betrayal of their own race. I don't really know what that means. And I'm not being a total asshole. I mean, I think I know what he's saying, you're betraying your race, which means on some level, your alignment within the race. But that's a, that's like a, that's a thing like I just personally struggle with philosophically. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. In other words, if there are 10 white dudes and five black guys and the 10 white dudes are doing bad things to the five black guys, I'm not a race traitor to fight back against the 10 white guys. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know if you can inherently say a quote race traitor. I don't even know what that means. But I think I know what he's trying to say. A traitor to their vision of what's supposed to be the future. Totally. So when people say, you're a race traitor, I go, that's irrelevant. That means zero things to me. It means nothing to me on a philosophical level. All that matters to me is who is doing what I consider aligned with me principally and who is not. Because I'm going to follow the people who are and not the people who aren't. And I don't care what their race is. 
So I don't have any loyalty to any race whatsoever, you know? See, you know, I think it's actually that respect that if you want to talk from that like wider angle, I think, um, you know, now, hey, we can call her Athena now, which is kind of badass. Um, you know, Gala- well, God, Jesus, Athena. I'm not even going to fucking get into clarifying which one she is. <laughs> Fuck it. We all, we all goddamn know who she is. We know who she is. Athena is, the, is more of the, I guess you would say, race trader. But, and I mean that in the sense of like abandoning Cylon culture and tenets and not thinking of herself as, I mean, as she thinks of herself, I, st- I think still as a Cylon individual, but she is not thinking of herself as part of the Cylon race, culture, the, the goals of that culture. She's removed herself from that. I got gotcha. you. Um, whereas I think Baltar, I don't. I, I think he's more in the middle of, of everything. Like he, he certainly does not want to. Here's the thing. Here's why I think I feel bad for Baltar at this point. He does not want at all to see more humanity die like that's never been balter he's not some heartless monster who will throw a fucking baby in front of a train to save himself he might <laughs> if things all press down but he doesn't want that it's not like he would choose that if he had a different option yeah if he had a same- red button and a green button and the red one was cylon victory and the green one was human victory i'm pretty confident he'd hit the green button i agree i agree um but at the same time i also think more so than just about any other human he is, especially after this episode, very hesitant to kill more Cylons. Like, I think he's sure. starting to see them as more of a, a life form in and of themselves as well. Like, uh, worthy of respect as a, a sentient being, at least. Because, um, I mean, hell, he's been in love with one for a long time at this point. And now he's aboard their ship and he's watching them suffer. Uh, so he's very aware of they can suffer. And, and can have pain done to them. He doesn't want to just make them suffer needlessly. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I think, like you already said, if he's still going to pick a side of the conflict to win, he's going to go with the humans, which is why I don't see him as a, a full traitor yet. Yep. Here's a permutation, Elzar760. What about if the red button was Salon's win and Baltar lives, green is human's win and Baltar dies? Ooh, that's a much better question. <laughs> I completely that's agree. A, that's a great question. Damn. Ooh. You know, I guess it. De- I, I guess it depends. Uh, again, we could continuously break down these permutations, right? We could say green is humans win, Baltar dies, and is forgiven by the Cylons. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the humans, if green is humans win, if 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 red is Cylons win and Baltar lives, they might then just kill Baltar because they sure. clearly they only need him because of their fight with the humans, right? Right. Not to make well, it, no, not I, to make it overly complicated, but yeah. But I, I think, think at the, the end of the day, he is a survivor, and he's always going to pick his own life first. I agree, I which agree. is I, what I, makes I, him pretty human. To add some parameters to that, I think <laughs> I think we should say I think let's take it as if the red button means Cylons win and Baltar lives, and it's a total victory. All humans dead, and the Cylons accept him in as one of their own, and he can live in their society. Or green humans win and Baltar dies. Um, I think at this point in the show, he might actually slap the red button and try to live a life with the Cylons. However, there I have can been see... moments. There have been moments where he'd hit the green, but by and large, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and, and but and I, I at this point, I think it's still kind of up in the air. But I can see with the way his development is going that he might actually hit the green button, make the humans win, and let himself die. I could see that happening in the future. Right here and now, I think it's pretty fifty-fifty. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, there's no so, and let me just let me just throw Taylor a bone here. If if Gaius decided to like a samurai take himself out, it would be epic. We'd be jumping up and down about how badass and heroic that is, right? 
So right. don't get it twisted. I'm not, I'm not suggesting one way or the other. I'm just saying, I think it's fun to think about. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's, um, in this moment, it's a little weird. And I think because you never have a clear cut, let's push a button scenario, there's always going to be mitigating circumstances. There's always going to be weird variables because right now everything seems pretty quiet and you're surrounded by Cylons and you're kind of comfortable and you think they're going to let you live. And then it becomes a, okay, I've survived while wow, they haven't killed me. And I've been thinking about, are they going to kill me? And here's an opportunity where they're literally deciding your fate about going to this place. And it doesn't have the immediate impact of changing the conflict, at least uh, obviously, correct? And that's yeah. why it's hard to be like, you know what I mean? It could be, it, it, it might be the kind of thing where, they, where they're like, Baltar, we're going to kill you or you need to give us the code to unlock the missiles that we're going to fire right now and destroy the human fleet with. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a different question. But in, the, in this kind of calm moment where, you're, where you've been thinking for days now, they're probably going to kill me. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, then they are. Oh, they're thinking about it. You're just thinking of how can I survive right now? Totally, yeah. You know, and that's what's, uh, that's what's fascinating about this whole thing. But um, I think we kind of addressed his question about race tradering. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a concept I struggle with just in general. But, um, but, but he is 100% selfish. No, no question about that. I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> I don't know if he's a narcissist in a classic sense because he has many times over admitted his own faults without irony. Right, right. Uh, whereas narcissists really struggle with that. They really struggle with, like, everything. Nothing, reflection nothing is yeah. their fault ever. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I don't know. He could be. I'm sure he's quite full of himself. Um, but I also think in this part of his journey, he's really had to face humility, right? He's had to run. He's had to do things he hated to do as a president. He entered big-time self-loathing where he was like, I don't care if you shoot me. I mean, he literally had moments of, of I don't care anymore. Whereas yeah. a true narcissist would, I, I think, have behaved differently with the power of the presidency. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? I think he would have, with the, with the power he had, I, I think he would have been a lot more, um, a lot different, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But hey, guess, guess what? Get your drinks ready, guys. Not a psychologist. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not Why a therapist. Why are you charging me so much? <laughs> Drink it down. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, hopefully that satisfies some of Taylor's curiosity as to what we were going to say this week. There you go. Um, so yeah, that covers a lot of this shit. But let's talk about um, the projection stuff. Let's get right into this first scene here where Ooh, yeah. he's talking to Six. Trisha Helfer on the beach. Gross, huh? Bikinied up. Yeah, she's gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, boy, what a opening scene to make you question <laughs> Gaius Baltar. <laughs> wow. I, you know, you, they, Cylon tech, uh, psychology is based on projection, but you see me. Yep. Wait, what? <laughs> I, like, that's basically his response is like, wait, what are you saying? Boy. Yeah. Have I never been? I know I talked about it in the past episode or two, but I have never been more ambivalent about whether Gaius is a Cylon or not. Right. This episode really has me wondering. So, so let me ask you this question: Thoughts overall on this week's episode? 
Um, it's a weird one, but I really like it. Uh, yeah, I, re- I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's it's a much more odd metaphysical spiritual one. We haven't had one like this in a while, and and I kind of dug it. I mean, we got to be in there with Gaius and firsthand see. I mean, this is this is shit I couldn't imagine in episode one of the series. Seeing what the interior of a Cylon ship looks like and watching them squabble and debate and decide what they're going to do and, and suffer and talk about their own psychology and how they see the world. Like, boy, we're really starting to, we're not quite getting answers yet. They're still so fucking vague. Uh, but we're getting more of an outline, more of a picture mm. uh, of at least their culture and the way they think. It's wild. Super interesting. And boy, and the, the stuff with Adama and Ty and Kara, cannot wait. Oof. Boy. A lot yeah. here. A lot here. So yeah, the projection stuff is fascinating. And and he wakes up, um, we see him quite vulnerable, and we realize he's in a base star, and they are deciding his fate. They're talking about <laughs> him possibly existing into the future or not. Ugh. So uncomfortable. Yeah. Prove that you have value to us, or we're going to fucking eliminate you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, too, and you think... <sighs> God, I mean, I don't know if I would fucking off myself here. No. No, and also because there's so many avenues of like – I mean one thing, one thought I had uh, – I'd be curious what you think about this too. When they reveal that they are also looking for Earth and she's just – you know, Deanna's just so casually like, yeah, it's going to be our new home. That's what, we're, that's what we're off to do. Mm-hmm. The thing that I find really interesting about that is I think they really think that the humans aren't going to make it there and that they can find it, that they'll just find it and it will be their home. Um, and there's a part of me that thinks that even Gaius would be like, fuck, if I could just communicate to the Galactica somehow to say, just abandon your search for earth, just find a different place. They're, they're going away. They're going to go find it. Fuck, fuck earth. (laughs) Fuck. It's just, it's just grass and dirt and salt water guys. It's not that great. Just fucking find another planet. They're going to go there. There's an advantage far away. There could be an advantage to him assisting them getting there quicker than the humans. Cause the last thing you want to do is for them to get there after the humans. Right, right. <laughs> right, and then you got a new Caprica part too that he just went through for a year. And he's like, I've had enough of that. Right, now that, that begs the question, how do you know they're not already there? He's probably pretty confident they are based on what they knew. But right. helping them get there first might even help the fucking colonies because right. then the, the tactical advantage, if they're going to fight around Earth, becomes, okay, they're on Earth, we know where they are, we can start picking and choosing how we want to go after them here versus you have a tiny little force, you're going to try to defend Earth, and here they come. Yeah, rolling in. Nukes hot. Yeah. Stop, stop enabling Gaius, Taylor says. <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny. Yeah, this is the worst intervention ever. We're just like, oh, you're just still so pretty, though. We love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, in case I haven't, not that I think I re- this requires an explanation, but um, I, when I say I like Gaius, I like him. I think he's fascinating as a character goes. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not necessarily like, I, I mean, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That I'm on his side, buddy, buddy. Yeah, there's plenty of characters I like. There isn't, but, but, I, but, I, but I think he sometimes behaves realistically as any regular person would in the circumstances they're given. Right. Like, oh, I get to hump supermodels on this ship and I should kill myself? It's a tough call, man. Like it's and, and, and when presented with the situation, you know, it's not like you're looking at a 27 year jail beat and you're like, I don't know, what am I gonna do? You know, so I don't know. It's a tough, it's right. a tough call. And there's still, you know, it's it, there's nothing at this point that has been a 
an inevitable canon of doom. Like that, you know, like there's still possibilities that he can slow them down. He can fight them. He can obfuscate knowledge from them, you know, maybe somehow find a way to, to assist Galactica. Like there's still possibilities. So I, I could see, you know, it's not ready to throw in the towel yet. You got to stay alive. Right. Um, so let's talk about, um, let's, t- let's talk about the state of the, of the, um, of the air group. <laughs> Cat whipping them into shape, sort of. Yep. Boy. So uh, Kara, Kara is the loose cannon here. Now. Kara goes a little bonkers, makes a move. Because mm-hmm. they're practicing formation. It looks like they're even practicing, like, I imagine what whatever galaxy paintballs they're firing at one another, you know, doing some firing runs, you know, targeting shit. Uh, but when it t- it's time for Cat to be targeted... Kara decides she's going to roll in on her, and even Lee is saying, no, no, you're not on her. You're on a different one. And she rolls in really close and taps her with her Viper. Dude, not not good at those speeds. Not a good. Such a fuck up. Well, also, because these things are a precious fucking commodity now. I mean, like... What you got is what you got, pretty much. I mean, I'm sure they could, they can still repair them. Maybe they could still haul together enough raw material to build a couple more. But I doubt you're going to be able to replenish a fleet anytime soon. Sure, you really can't fuck these things up. Through a blade, severed the fuel line. We got problems, right? And uh, yeah, the ship is uh, the ship's fucked up. And uh, Cheryl's like, "How'd you land it?" She's like, "Pointed it toward the deck. Stopped when I got here." <laughs> and Lee is not having that shit. He uh, he dresses her down immediately in front of everyone. If you want to die, I'll open the airlock for you, basically, right? I mean, he's just like, you're right. not going to fuck up my planes. And she says, listen, the bird's on the deck. What do you want me to do? Quit your bitching. See, this is one of the few times, too, where I think the public dressing down is actually a little called for. Like, this is one of those moments where you, there has been dissension in the ranks and yes. people are still uncomfortable coming back on. And they kind of got to see the CAG come out and say, this isn't okay. And this is an example. This is a person. And it's also, I think it's important that this isn't somebody from Pegasus. This isn't somebody from, you know, some random civilian who's now being trained as a pilot. He doesn't know. This is Starbuck. Everybody knows Starbuck. Everybody knows Lee. They know that they're close, that they've been comrades for a long time. And him to dress her down and say, the way you are acting is not fucking okay. And we cannot be like this in front of everybody is kind of a message. Yeah. You know what? I agree. I think that's a really great point, and I didn't think about the public dressing down here. It di- didn't occur to me to consider it, and I think you're onto something. So well done there. I think it makes sense because if you know, if you know the rumors, and the rumors are true that she's being a malcontent and she's affecting everyone around her, it's a, it's a more, it's a, it's a, it's a, what am I trying to say? Morale. We were just talking about morality so much, I couldn't think of the way to say the other word. <laughs> fuck. It's the moral, a, the moral fuck. No, it's the, the morality win? No, that's not it. That's the ethical win? Nope, definitely not that. Um, no, it's a win for morale to know that leadership is addressing a senior person who's being a bitch to all of them. <laughs> right, right. Right. He's unhinged right now. Yeah, I think, that's a good, I think that's a good play. And I like it. And I also like that they don't do it in the last scene, but we'll get to that. Um, I think this makes sense here. And, you know, we never do this on this on this podcast. We never really talk about the episode titles because they are typically self-evident. But right. Torn, I mean, this is perfect, man. We're, we're oh, really yeah. focusing on um, the, the Torn, the Tearing, the Tears, the Rifts, 
between crew people, between the, the people that were insurgents, between the people that were on the fleet. Um, that what we have between Kara in the crew and Kara in the Adamas and Ty in the Adamas in the crew and Ty in Agathon and Ty in uh, just all of these rifts, all of these tears, so to speak. And uh, it yeah. makes perfect sense here. And I think especially by the end of the episode, the the very much down the middle split and opposite realities between Kara and Ty is a really good powerful uh, example of that. Yeah, that was powerful. Um and we see it continue Ty's hallucinations, right? <laughs> Ty- Don't you love I mean, I feel let me, let me just start with this. I feel so bad for Ty still. I am my my heart fucking aches for the guy. Like god, what a brutal thing brutal. he had to go through. Sacrifice so much his own body, his his life, his wife that he was, you know, deeply in love with. Um but I do find it really funny that whenever he hears an older austere woman's voice just hectoring and belittling somebody, he's like, "Helen, Helen? Huh? Is that you?" <laughs> A beautiful older woman needling somebody relentlessly? It's got to be you. <laughs> well, maybe not every time, but just this time. Yeah, maybe just this time. He's, he is rip-roaring. <laughs> wow. He, I mean... He drank himself drink- allu- into hallucination territory. That's, <laughs> that, like, that's what some you, serious What, pounded absinthe in there? <laughs> oh, shit, he's got some ground-up mushrooms in there. <laughs> I was just making a whiskey mushroom tea. And then you have Kara reacting in a way I would imagine she would exactly act when it comes to Casey. Oh, dude, yeah. This, ah, oh, what a brutal scene. And I knew, the you know what's, ah, oh, it's such a good sign of how well established a character is. Like, that's, like, a good writing has been leading up to this, and we know, good good writing and performance uh, uh, of all of this, Katie Sackhoff. Um, but we know who Kara is. And the second she walked up there and we see the mom, Oh, it's you. Here's Casey. I knew she was going to act this way that she was be like, I don't want to fucking see this kid. Mm. I don't just get away from me. Don't want it. Yeah. And to be honest, I was even a little bit annoyed that the mom was so pissy about it. I'm like, I guess, but like, come on. Like she's not the kid's mom. I know she's been asking for it. And Hey, I know when you're a parent, your kids are fucking bothering you for shit constantly and saying the same shit over and over. Probably gets annoying. And you're like, okay, fine. Let's go see this person you keep asking about. So you'll shut up. But damn, like she doesn't need to be there. Yeah, man. It's, it's brutal. Uh, it's brutal. I think it's, I think the mom's being a little tone deaf. I get it. I get where she's coming from, but you might not understand what exactly I mean, obviously, she went through shit when she, her kid was gone for months, clearly. Seriously. But also, at the same time, she has to remember that Kara went through some serious shit, too. Right. Yeah. right. And that's this also scene, this scene makes me wonder about, like, just general debriefings from all of this shit. I'm like, that's one of those things where somebody, like, maybe, maybe even Anders comes up to this woman and she says, hey... <laughs> So what she went through and why that little girl even knows who she is is because she was kidnapped and she was made to believe that was her daughter. So let's just part ways and, uh, you know, you go live your life somewhere in the fleet and we'll live ours. Mm-hmm. Let's just not bring this up anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this it's brutal watching her walk over to this little girl who's so sweet and so cute and only wants to be picked up by her. And that's just – it's like reminding you of the aching hole that you never knew you had inside you. That like Not just yeah. that, but it's a constant reminder of your PTSD to be captured. Totally, totally. It's a, it's a wacky association. That's rough. That this little girl reminds you of like one of the worst periods of your life. Right. 
Um, we see uh, we got a quick beefcake report on Lee. Dude, good on Lee. He has climbed his way back up into the heights of the Battlestar Galactica beef report. Yeah, well, now he's just an ableist, so <laughs> whatever. Thought we had a victory for Fat Lee, but no, no. We know him to be fat. Can't have a fucking fat guy. Can't have a fat guy in the military. Can't have somebody out of shape, unable to run, can't fit in the cockpit in the military. No. Nope. Well, what are they going to We got to have jobs for security guards, Dean. Shit. Unbelievable. You know, it's like. I don't understand why he can't be grossly obese and still be in the uh, in the cockpit there. They could just they could make some the chief could make some modifications to the cockpit to fit him in there, get a crane, lower him in. I don't understand why this is so hard. I don't get it. Is there some place I can protest? Uh right for here. Fat you're, on, Lee? you're on the internet, Dean. Oh, excellent. Fat Lee, Fat Lee, Fat Lee, Fat Lee, Fat Lee. <laughs> Uh, you're about 15 years too late to this battle, though. Am I? Uh, so late. Fuck. But damn, look at him. Look at him all crossfitted up. Even We don't even, want uh, no Abel Lee. Oh, sorry. <laughs> even fucking Hilo, though. Like, ah, look at you. You did it. You did it. He did it, man. A little ass slapping. You're back to fuckable Lee. Yeah. And he kind of has that. He says it in that kind of like, yeah, Lee, you look nice. You did it, Lee. You're back to lickable shape again. <laughs> uh, where's D? <laughs> right? Where is D? Who knows? She hasn't, been up, she hasn't popped up in a while. Can you blame her? <laughs> it's true. She's like, I'm going to take an assignment on a different trip she, for a little she while. She told him to go drop however many fucking stones you ding-dong Brits say to get him <laughs> back into shape before she, he could come home again. Until then, I'm going to be 40 <laughs> fathoms away. <laughs> <laughs> Or I could be a league below deck. A couple of, yeah. That's all, that's all we got. That's it. That's all the British, fat, British measurements I have. And leagues. Uh, I think um, a tuppence is something. It's a British thing, right? <laughs> tuppence, tuppence. <laughs> I only know British things from Mary Poppins, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's pretty much every American. Does that make me... Racist? There's people. I don't know what that is. No, they're white. Uh, all of them? I yeah. Guess. You know, it works, buddy. Come on, now. <laughs> don't, don't be crazy. You are a very powerful man, so. <laughs> Just so you know. I don't know if you know that. But I'm, I'm no newly sculpted Lee shoulders. Do me a favor, though. If you do, um, if you decide to ratchet up your power, mm-hmm. you reach into that, jack, into that, into that closet here and put that old jacket on. Maybe toss me a hat or something. If you got any mittens in there of power or a hat. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Your power, your inherent power. My inherent Yes, power. you can't, you can't, you are, you are racist, but you can't be racist against white people. I thought you knew that, Matt. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that is a really White people are power, far Matt. too powerful to be hated. <laughs> They'll come after me with their cops. <laughs> Dude, I got so many cops on speed dial, it's nuts. <laughs> Just the other day, I was looking for, and I was like, "Can you help me make this ticket go away?" But alas, hey, come on. alas, I must have uh, let my uh, my power membership lapse. So, <laughs> Oops, no dice. Anyway, don't don't hit him up about speaking the of powerful white ladies. Let's talk about Rosalind. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't in this Fuck. episode. Yeah, she is for five seconds. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Talking about Earth. Oh, bro. that sounds good. That's it. That's her line. Oh, All wow. right then. Tiger eyes. Let's go hunting tigers. 
<laughs> that's some <laughs> white people Lions shit. Lions Dean, thank you very much. That's some white people shit. <laughs> that's rich white people <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right, do we get our finest dentists on board a ship to go on a safari and hunt that space line? <laughs> Quick, load it up with a ton of drugs, because I am a... <laughs> do we have an orthodontist in case there's a space tiger? Lo- load up that cat with a lot of drugs, because I am a sportsman. I am a real <laughs> a real killer. I want you to get some poor black people in Africa to hit it with a dart first to slow it down, make it real dumb and sloppy. This is Africa, man. All right. So let's talk about the Scroll of Pythia. Scroll of Pythia. Look at fucking Gata getting all Dude, deep with the scriptures. Dude, Gata is. I, I gotta say, after all the events of New Caprica and Gata coming back on back uh, uh, on board the ship and even being you know hassled and intimidated by all the the former you know insurgents and everything. Dude, Gata's got a pair of stones, man. Dude, he's a fucking boss. He's such I, a I boss. He's so competent. Him. He's so goddamn competent and just and and focused. Like I love this dude. I'm like I'm getting to the point where he's he's climbing my ranks of characters. Where I'm like I really like Ada. And it's funny because it's almost like they're like let's break his balls. <laughs> that they have kind of a flippant way. It's, it's true, don't they? Let's have a listen to this scene. Evans right. was watched over by a great lion with a mighty blinking eye, Wait for red it. and blue. Exactly. Exactly what? Ooh. We're looking for a lion's head. With a mighty blinking eye. <laughs> yuck, yuck. Well, the scrolls, they speak in metaphors. <laughs> Initially, I thought the doctor might be off his meds as well, sir, but then uh, let me, I found... Then, let me, let me show you what I found, okay? Assholes, while you're having your right. yuck, yucks. I gotta say, uh, hey, Rosalind, I don't know if you can hear from up there on your high horse, but you remember that time when you sent the most decorated soldier among the fleet to go find a fucking arrow from a statue? Uh, let's not get all high and mighty about beliefs and scriptures and what we might do because of them. Yeah, man. Seriously. So he just lays it down. He talks about the red and blue, uh, the pulsing, uh, three pulsars. Uh, these pulsars appear. We have a direct look, but it's possible, he says. And then he says, with a couple of eyeballs out there, they might look and the neb- they might look and see the nebula, a giant lion's head. It's cool. I love him dipping back into Baltar's research while he was on New Caprica and saying, look, he was working on this. He was actually making some headway, and I've kind of furthered it. You know, He even talks about looking at it through like a spectrograph, and he's saying that the kind of radiation coming off these pulsars, this one would be red, this one would be blue. It's lining up with the scriptures. Yeah. Which is really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, we learn that Gaius says, uh, we cut back to the base star. The navigational markers you gave us may prove useful, right? They sent a base ship out to investigate the pulsars and look for this lion's head of yours, Six tells Gaius. You have proven useful. Your penis and balls may, may remain attached. Mm, yes. Conflicted, very ambiguous feelings, he says, about helping you find Earth, of course. <laughs> and see, now this is another moment where I'm like, fuck Cylons and their moral high horse because she's like, ah, oh, funny how all that ambivalence disappeared the second, you know, your life was on the line and hung in the balance. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you guys are immortal. You get to resurrect. We're, we get the one. We get the one. We hesitate a little more. Right, Sorry. Right. Right. Fuck you guys. It's not, again, it's not unheard of for your life being in the balance of any type of negotiation to uh, really up the stakes. <laughs> like, his reaction where he just puts his hands up like, duh. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> fucking Cylons. They don't get it. Like, like you said, she's still saying, you know, we're still trying to determine how useful you are. We see uh, freaking Boomer doing weird naked Tai Dude, Chi. Just straight up shot of naked Boomer. Doing Tai Chi. I mean, Dale. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love how Gaius is actually like, oh, my, I'm sorry I intruded. He holds his hand up as yeah. he walks by. Um, but projection comes up again here. And he's like, what, what does it help you do exactly? I don't understand. And that's when she equates it to day, equates to daydreaming. Imagine you were somewhere else. He says, he has an active imagination, right? And she says, well, we don't imagine. We project. We choose to see our environment in a way, in any form we wish, wherever we wish. For instance, right now, you see us staying in a hallway. I see it as a forest. Whoa. Jing, 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 jing. I am still trying to make sense of this. And one of the things that it got me thinking about was maybe this is what Cylons who are, you know, still among the Cylons and, and resurrected over and over. This is their form of individuality, like that they are kind of always connected and communicating with all the Cylons. They are in a way, even though we've come to learn how much they are individuals but they are very plugged into one another that this maybe this kind of daydreaming projection is the way they get to be individuals and put themselves in places they want to be it's interesting um but at the same time i also i'm like what is the like the what's hard, the utility exactly mm. like what's the pragmatic use of this it's really strange. And also, the second she equated it to daydreaming, I'm like, Bile Tars and Cylon? Daydreaming about smooching on that bikinied up six? Come on. Mm. Who wouldn't? If you had the power, just project yourself there. She says she chooses to fill her mind with God's creation versus empty halls. <clears throat> I have a theory. All right. This is, um, this is stuff we've talked about at length on the Science Fiction Film Podcast. We've often talked of AI or replicants or cyborgs or androids in their memory. And I'm just thinking about this now as it relates to Cylons, but how perfect is their memory? How perfect is their recall, right? If you're an android that doesn't have emotions, then you will recall everything with perfect accuracy. You could argue that an imperfect memory shields us, that there's some utility in not having a perfect memory, not having that capacity because it would overwhelm us. I oh, definitely. I think our cognitive function would be unnavigatable. Oh, no. You, you know those people, those, like, those, those strange savants, people who can, you know, you ask them, what were you doing on December 9th, 1993? And they can tell you exactly what they were doing, what they were wearing, where they were. They have that just like uncanny memory. Mm. Those, you know, we always talk about those people and they get like highlighted as like, wow, look at all the things they can remember. Those people actually have very difficult, sure. you know, problems adjusting to reality. Like of a course. lot of those people can't hold jobs. I'm not surprised. Um, it, it, it like seriously cripples you in a lot of ways because you can't, you know, I mean, I have no idea what that would be like, but I mean, we have to forget. <laughs> Forgetting is like an actual necessity and an evolutionary adaptation. Mm. Yeah. So that said, is it possible that the ability to project like this is somehow a palate cleanser for bad memory? Mm, that's an interesting point. I don't know. I'm making it up. I mean, presumably Cylons have memory. We already know, we already know that they struggle with some things f from a moral perspective. We've, we've seen it. 
we've seen it with six. We've seen it with Boomer. Is it possible yeah. that this is uh, this is this is the utility? I mean, I'm just spitballing here. Something to no, think about. No, I mean, about. I think that's yeah. It's a really interesting theory because I mean, in a lot of ways, I that's the thing. I can't figure out what would be the the real use of this, but maybe shielding themselves from things or. Take you know, and like I said, I think that even plays into the whole idea of, of of their individuality. Like they're constantly, if you are a Cylon, you know, all hands on deck aboard the mission of the Cylons, then that's what you're doing, and that's what your life yeah, is. Yeah. And maybe these moments of getting to project yourself into other places are it's kind of the little piece of life you carve out for yourself. It's interesting, man. Yeah, it's it's funny though that the Cylon, <laughs> the Cylon. If you if you take skin jobs based off of what we know about them as far as the miniseries goes, they've only been around. So if they hadn't seen the Cylons for forty years, yeah, yeah. If they hadn't seen the Cylons for forty years, and then suddenly skin jobs appear, that means kind of that they've only been working on the technology presumably for forty years. Mm, it's kind of weird to think about. It, think about how long humans have evolved to be able to handle what they handle. Now think about True. Cylons trying to do it in an infinitesimal fraction of the time. And I mean, I think it's safe to assume they have like a higher level of computing power in their brains. Maybe they evolve faster. That's true. Sure, I sure. I think you're on to something. It's weird, right? This is, I mean, and also like how do you, just to think about a culture that has developed in 40 years. Like that's a very young culture. And it doesn't seem like one. It seems to have, it seemed, let me correct myself, it seemed to have a very singular purpose, which was the annihilation of man. But now we're seeing it in this weird, we're seeing this weird, pull the curtain back, let's look at the Cylon Oz, so to speak. And uh, what we see here is this race of people with nothing really, I mean, these empty hallways, there's, I mean, you, you, presumably you have human frailties how do they entertain themselves what actually is their culture what do they do for entertainment you know when you start to think about these things in this vast what appears to be by our standards this emptiness of of life perhaps projection is a way to uh, combat these you know these uh, uncomfortable realities right right maybe make shit dude we're about to go real deep, but maybe that is the whole cause of their war against humanity, that they don't know how to just exist. They have mm. to like be pursuing an end. Yeah. They have to be pursuing and destroying their creators who have a culture, who can just exist and live and and be. And for them, they're like, they're a machine. They have to have a purpose. What is a machine without a purpose? There it, is none. Right. And just, just to serve the function the machine was designed to function. Right. 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 And it's weird, though, because you also have the spiritual and religious angle that they take. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, is this, um, is this robot daddy issues? Could be. I think, I think it might be robot daddy issues. Yeah, they just want to be loved and recognized. You know, sometimes, sometimes when a kid gets mad, they throw a temper tantrum and they break stuff. Or they nuke 12 planets. <laughs> Robo-father, why, why you make me exist? Ooh. Why didn't you hug me? <laughs> what is existence? Existence is pain. Die, father. <laughs> die. Empty all nuclear salvos for not giving hugs. <laughs> <laughs> not giving iPad Pro when asked. Mm, dispense death. Capture one of their subjects and uh, put them in bars for four months and try to rape them. <laughs> <laughs> we, will- we are good guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. The sounds are wacky. Fucking wacky ass Cylons. 
You're weird. Well, all right. Well, he understands projection, as you said, but it isn't a coincidence that I could see such a vivid reality mm-hmm. <sighs> that I've created. And see, that's again her quote right here. I want to talk about just real quick. Like she says, it's the aesthetic, the aesthetics that give me pleasure, mm. not the specific memory. Right. And she wants to surround herself with a vision of God's creation, and that to me again feels much more like I want to implement my I, my perfect world or my idea of the world versus remembering what happened. Yeah, it's real. You know what it is? It sounds like she's she is one of the hot chicks they use to recruit people into the doomsday cult. <laughs> you can she's, make yourself be anywhere. She's mega hot. She focuses on us on aesthetics, and she's super sensual. And, and then she, she opens then she up a laptop it, and plays a video at your party that ruins fucking everything. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and she's and she's she's super sensual all the time. She's beyond beautiful, and everything is like for God and this and love and God's plan and humping you is God's plan. You know. <laughs> It's just lumping you was the Lord's plan. (laughs) And on the seventh day, God said, thou shalt go forth and hump those non-believers into our ranks. Amen. I don't know. But it does. She does. The dashing blondes shall humpeth the lowly scientist. (laughs) It does have a bit of a cultish mentality, yeah? It's got got some notes. It's got some cultish notes. All right, let's talk about dissent. Let's talk about Admiral Ty's decision to go down into the mess and mix with the troops mixing with the muck <laughs> down there slumming it up oh boy well also you know we get this moment here which is a really oh, great am i a cylon that guy is asking oh well there's that there's that actually shit i went by that as well where he straight up asks her am i a cylon and, she, and she's like what and he's like oh no nothing mm, thinking nothing out loud <laughs> don't want to play my cards yet um, but no, this is a great little moment with Sharon and Hilo where, I mean, not that long ago, she was still very much like, who the fuck is this Cylon aboard our ship? Who's this Cylon lover who's w- around her? Fuck them all. And now all of the pilots and soldiers are like, yeah, let's come up with a, a name for her. And they even jokingly like great toaster names. babe. Right? Like they, they throw out all this stuff. And they're even making fun of her still being a Cylon. But in that jovial, you're one of us way. Yeah, like, exactly. We're busting your chops, but you're one of us. And Wait a minute. Name- so what you're telling me, Matthew, and I don't mean to get crazy. Uh-oh. Yeah, you know. So what you're telling me is that by making fun of her, it's a way to indoctrinate her into their group? Into the group of death cult. Yes, keep going, keep going. Okay, all right. I'm just making sure. I'm just making, sometimes there are rules about who you can make fun of and who you can't. And I didn't realize that. So I appreciate it. Go ahead. I'm on one tonight, pal. Everybody's, everybody's got chop bustery afoot. Okay. okay. Uh, But no, did they settle on the name Athena for her? The goddess of wisdom and war and victory. Dude. Yeah. What a badass name. Like that is, that's a high praise given to their, their fucking former hated Cylon pilot. Yeah. Um, trans sister was good. <laughs> Did they, ah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, that was funny, dude. Oh, shit. So many good ones. <laughs> Wind up toy, tin can, toast, yeah, toast, tin can. toaster babe, robo pilot. <laughs> Bunch of assholes. It's funny. funny. Uh, and all hot dog, all Bill Adam is in real life son is like, what about Athena? Oh, oh, I forgot. Oh my God. I forgot. That's his real son. Yeah. Yep. Athena it is. 
Welcome's time. Oh, there's enough of that to go around. Look at him. Oh man, God, he's he is, miserable he's as tough. fuck. Miserable. And boy, does Talking he find this. fucking. Does misery love company or what? Loves it, dude. Boy, is Kara's misery so ready to high five and down some moonshine. I wish he would have just boned his brains out. Just throw him <laughs> one, will you? <laughs> she might need throw that to wake one. him up. That's what they both Shake need out to do. It. Just go smash it out. <laughs> it's true. Oh, yeah. Jesus. God, can they but, really, uh, can they really, you know, you want to know what feeling alone like? Try spending a few ways. Okay, Ty, come on. I love you. All right. But come on, dude. Don't be that guy. And I mean, there is, I, we talked about this some on the last episode. I do think that the people on the ground had it worse. No like, shit. For sure. And I feel like there has to be some way to address that. Like, guys, these are like, these. they should be treated like returning fucking POWs. Like, damn, didn't get to debrief. Like, mm. it's just a rough, horrible situation. And I feel like everybody aboard that uh, aboard the Galactica and who was a part of the, the crew going down there to rescue them, yeah, that was, that was some bold shit and it was risky and you lost lives in it. That, that's intense. But that was an operation that you planned for a couple of weeks after getting in contact with them and executed in a day, whereas the rest of the year you were mostly safe (laughs) and content. (laughs) Not awesome, not just kicking back and having a fucking fun time, but you were okay. Mm -hmm. You were being constantly persecuted and and at threat of gun. Easily. Yeah, uh, yeah. He comes in, he comes in guns blazing. He He gets Kara going. While you were painting wings on your Cylon girlfriend. <laughs> Jesus, man. And I had friends strapping bombs to their chest, doing whatever they could to take the bastards out. Jesus. Yikes. So forgive me if I don't get all misty over your sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Starbuck gives him the, the bottoms up. <laughs> Hell yeah. She's like, fuck yeah, fuck these pusses. It's funny. I mean, if you're Agathon and you're an officer, don't you be like, I mean, you, you're not going to win here. Cause so, so here's the reality. It doesn't matter what anybody says ties on when he's coming after you. Exactly. Even if you are like, yeah, you know, we really appreciate the sacrifices you made down there for us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Even if you say that he'd be like, I'm not asking yet. You know, he would, he would turn it into something against you. He'd be like, I don't, I'm not looking for your praise. Hilo. I don't need that. You know, he'd say something like this. So you're not going to work. So he he takes up the, you know, Hilo's very, gets really defensive when you start going after Sharon anyway. So, Um, right. I I love, I'm sure in the back of Hilo's mind, he's like, oh, it's funny how I spent fucking three months on a goddamn irradiated planet all by myself. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I haven't fucking sacrificed. Yeah. Guys learns that uh, the Earth stuff and the babies bought him some times. The others are impressed, right? The others. I like uh, these establishing shots. It's kind of goofy. <laughs> flashing to their faces. Kind of goofy. Yeah. I don't think we needed it's, that. You know, I, I do agree that it looks goofy, but in a way it is necessary. Like, I needed that. I needed Just I to like, remind, to remember. Exactly. Where I'm Fair like, enough. Okay, Fair enough. let's run through our known Cylon human models. Um, yeah, because that's the next thing he goes through. Exactly. And he's like, there are only 12. Uh, my whole time on New Caprica, I only ever saw seven. Who are the other five? And dude, with a real note of fear in her voice, I, it's not that I won't talk about it. I can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, this had to be a shock for you, a revelation that we're actually addressing this point because you and I haven't really talked about the reality of that and now it's here again. Right, it's been a while. It's been a while. A long while. I mean, yeah, forever, honestly. <laughs> it's been a fucking bit. And I mean, he even straight asked her, he's like, so you can't talk about it, but if you saw one, you'd know it was one, right? And before she could answer, that's when they, they come out and say, hey, our, ba- our base star that we sent out there has lost contact and it kind of interrupts everything. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting refresher. And, and now we know that this is some like, you know, it's funny coming from where we've come talking about the first season and the silence in the first season about how they, you know, at least in my mind, I was like, they seem like some kind of impenetrable hive mind and they're all just are on the same level and they know what's going on across every other Cylon all the time. But this seems like a separate upper echelon thing, the way she talks about it. She's like, I can't talk about that. That like that is like the absolute utmost top secret knowledge of the Cylons, that they don't even discuss it out loud, or maybe not even all of them know about it. Yeah. That's awesome, man. This scene Crazy. is amazing. It's uh oh man. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's got you thinking again. Obviously I can't say much about that particular piece, but it's cool that it's becoming a thing again. Right. You over there knowing knowing oh. who they all are. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> Oh, little old me. Mm, me, I know. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway. Come on, come on, Dean. Just ASMR, just one of them to me. Just one of them. <laughs> Adama. <laughs> <laughs> President Roslyn is a Cylon. <gasps> I knew it. And she likes saran wrap. <laughs> it's her kink. She likes it when you roll it between your fingers. <laughs> All right. Um... <laughs> And then after that, she gets off on being dropped into a big Ziploc bag full of lube. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> but um, so what do we learn about the Cylon base ship? They completely lost contact once they reached the, the Lion Nebula head, basically. Uh, and now they know that they've been infected with some kind of disease that's even affecting their raiders. Even their other peripheral ships are going down because of this. Indeed. Pretty fucking gnarly. And it is, boy, what a revelation to find out there's a disease that you guys can get. Like, that is so animal-like. That's so warm blood of you. Mm. <laughs> I did not expect to hear that word tossed around with the Cylons. Crazy. And it's ravaging them. Seriously. Well, this causes a, a bit of a panic between everyone, <laughs> and even Geisic disease. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. killing them. And I mean, yeah, they are just absolutely shouting at one another in this in this moment. Yeah, you know, they they even talk about the reality of the disease and if it could be almost cybernetic in nature. Because is it possible it could transmit to the resurrection ship? I mean, right. what a crazy thought. That's what they're that's their biggest fear. They're like, you know, if one of the people who died on there gets is able to to resurrect aboard our resurrection ship, it might somehow infect all of all of the people aboard the resurrection ship, all the all of the you know, ships adjacent to that. Like it could just spread like a like an actual plague. Wild. So they're basically like, fuck, we gotta I, you know, they obviously want to find out what happens, but they also they seem ready to cut themselves off from it. I mean, they're they're fighting hard over that point, though. Yep. And of course, Head Six tells Gaius to volunteer. I love that is so perfect, Head Six, and it makes it so great because she is still impossible to tell whether she's on either side. Yep. And he sells it. 
it's funny when he gets the idea from her and then he just knows how to sell it immediately because it is such a good idea. Exactly. That, that, that's the power of these two, that she right. knows all she has to do is give him the seed, and then he is smart enough to unfurl it into a plan and be like, okay, this is how that would actually work. If, he, if we accept the fact that she is, in fact, a manifestation of his subconscious, then clearly she would know how to sell it, right? Because she is part of his mind. Right. I'm not saying that's true. Just saying it would make sense. That, yeah, you know, that's something we did go past. That That is like his working theory. He's like, either I'm a Cylon right. or you're some part of my subconscious mind trying to find a way to or toward self-expression. And mm. I don't know which. Mm. Indeed. So in his mind, he's got it narrowed down to those two. Yep. Cat uh, starts barking back on these guys. Like, frack you, you know? My problem's you and all this us against them crap. She has a point. I don't usually agree with Cat, but I'm with I her know. on this one. I hate agreeing with her because even with the way she's talking here fucking she's annoys so me. so annoying. But I'm just like, ah, you are kind of right. Like, <laughs> You are kind of right. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get past some of this shit. Yep, yep, exactly. This is, this is that moment where, where, where Ty's like, ah, the sentiment's right, but in my book, trust is an overrated commodity. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy, nothing like unit cohesion than saying you can't fucking trust anyone and you're all on your own. And you call, uh, and you ask, and you ponder why some Cylon lover's holding down my post. <laughs> like, dude. You know? Mr. Morale, everyone. Everyone's doggy dog world, baby. Drink. It's basically Yep. Man, it's just God. it's just bad news. And this yeah. is where um we see Bill talking to uh Carl Agathon, right? That is it. And uh he just kind of says, I understand the morale's taking a hit on the flight deck. He's like, I understand the colonel is down there. Mm, nothing we can't handle. I like that. I like uh, I like Hilo here. Dude, I like Hilo a lot yeah, he's great. right here. So cool seeing him in this position too, that he is now, it's just, I mean, it's another one of those things I'm just excited about where I'm like, fuck, watching Hilo alone in the woods of the irradiated uh, Caprica to now being Adama's like confidant, like kind of his right hand man right now, because Ty is not capable of it in this moment. And I really like how straightforward he is with uh, Bill. You know, he straight up tells him, he's like, you know, do you, they, they know better. They shouldn't be doing that. And he's just like, I don't think they care. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I mean, that's the truth. He says, your reward carries a lot of weight, and you are right. They are destroying morale and unit cohesion. That's it, man. Yeah, and I don't think they care. I mean, that's quite the indictment. It really is. And in what poor timing. I mean, I mean, he's not wrong, you know? It makes sense that they, they, they didn't get their chance to decompress. You know, they're right back here. But So I, I understand, I'm sympathetic to Ty and Kara, of course. I'm huge fans of both of them. But I also understand they're putting uh, everyone in a very bad position. And um, it's interesting here that, that it starts with Hilo saying nothing we can't handle. And then the more it gets pushed, the more he almost seems like he would, rec- he would uh, appreciate a hand from Adama on this one. Because think about one, one thing I do like about this is it's, 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 it's funny. We almost see like this is the difference between Hilo and Leodama. Leodama would have confronted them, I think, right there. Right, I th- right. And I He's... think he would have been like, I don't care, you know, that you were the colonel forever and I was always under you because you're being a fuckstick. Whereas Agathon is going to be, he's being a little bit more slick about it. He's like, uh, I'm not going to make a scene right now. I respect, you know, Ty and what he went through. And, you know, he's just, 
he's approaching right. it a little bit differently. It's, it's a difference in and, character between the two men. To be honest, and I do like Lee, I'm a defender of Lee a lot of the times, but I got to say, it strikes me as a little bit of the difference between a, uh, an enlisted man who's earned his way and a little bit of a daddy's boy. <laughs> a little bit of daddy's boy. I'm going to rattle my big saber and be the hero and tell everybody what to do. Yeah. Whereas Agathon's like, uh, let me just tell you about what's going on. It's a, it's a time and the place, you know? I, I, I don't, right. I mean... Not, not that I want to make this a, a, I don't. Not that I think it's worth debating, and I know you're kind of fucking around, but I mean, I'm sure both men have done what they needed to do to get where they are. Oh, hundred percent. I yeah. mean, we've seen Lee be completely, insanely competent. Sure, a times. sure, I mean, sure. He's, he's earned his spot. <laughs> um, dude, dude, the fucking hybrid. Holy shit! What the fuck? I was waiting so, for you to see this shit. So this is what's at the heart Jump. of every Cylon base star. Jump. <laughs> just babbling insanity dude um and i Two gotta protons ask expel that he's going to create the motor force the embryo becomes a fish that we don't enter until a plate we're here to experience evolve little toe atrophy don't ask me how i'll be dead in a thousand light years thank you thank you genesis turns it to its so source bizarre. reduction occurs stepwise throw the essence and all in one end of the line hey can somebody get the precog repairman down here yeah this shit is not actionable department of precom Department of dog water. <laughs> Let's not forget that podcast. <laughs> Minority <laughs> poor. You can get it on the science fiction film podcast. Listen now. Watch ourselves whore out. Hey, um, yeah, man. Got but no, like dude, hustle, hustling. No, but the 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 name, the word hybrid, getting tossed out here immediately made me think of fucking the baby, the the Cylon human baby. Like, is that? what this is? Am I way off? Am I totally fucking wrong? Or is that one of these, do they have to like grow a core for every base star and that needs a hybrid? Mm-hmm. But they also acted like that thing was so shiny and new and never been seen before and the fulfillment of some prophecy. But I don't know. They, they throw the word hybrid around so casually and I'm like, what is that? Uh, I'm baffled. A hybrid between, it's funny, it's funny you have such a human-centric brain. You assume it is a hybrid between a human and something else. That's true. That's a good mm, point. Perhaps it's a Cylon hybrid mixed with some other thing. Perhaps it's, uh, you know, how the Raiders have one type of consciousness, as do the uh, Centurions and the Skin Jobs right. another. Perhaps it's a, a hybrid between those two. Yeah. Eventualities. Like but it's pretty wild. Whatever the... Whatever the engine of a raider is combined with a Cylon human that is like the, the brain of every base star. It's wild. So creepy. Leia opens like, she sees God, right? That's what Six says here. That's always his wacky angle. Speaking of cult leaders. <laughs> right? She breathes in cosmic dust. She laughs at the stars. Jump. <laughs> really creepy, man. Looks so awesome, weird. though. Oh yeah, but guys, what a what Gaius. a misadventure over on the dead base star. What a cool adventure, man. Dude, I love. Dude, I know we're on the same page on this. Like, you give me a dead spacecraft yeah, floating in the abyss of blackness, and somebody's going to go explore the big caverns with their tiny ship. I'm just so on board. Every and, time. I, and I just love the sound Sucker. effects. I love the the voice effect they put on Baltar. I love that their bodies are ruined. Like, just so mm-hmm. grim. Grim enough to have a oh, listen. Yeah. Let's have a listen. Their bodies everywhere. <laughs> ah, it sounds so cool. <laughs> Uh, Makes it sound so much creepier, the creepy voice modulation. There are bodies everywhere. And uh, yeah, we just see people laid out, barfing, just wasting away like the plague rolled through. Mask of the Red Death. (laughs) Totally, dude. 
Never thought I'd see Cylons laying around dying like they're bubonic plague victims either. Oh, Deanna looks the worst. Looks pretty rough. God, she looks like uh, Claudia's dying mother in Vampirist in uh, uh, interview. Just plague-ridden <laughs> corpse. Don't go that way, monsieur. The plague. There's a little life left in the go. <laughs> a guy should have done that. Dancing, <laughs> flopping her dying body around. <laughs> Jesus oh, shit. He's like, I was in a movie called Interview. Sorry. Sorry. So pro- more of our human culture that you guys don't have at all. <laughs> Sorry, more of our human culture to try to eradicate with nuclear weapons. Sorry. It's this, it's this wild idea we have called fun. Yeah. Losers. Pa- pa- pardon me for wanting to embrace my old culture that you've destroyed a little bit. <laughs> you and your robo-daddy issues. Also, what the hell's going on over here? A whole uh, fucking L'Oreal hair dye for sex with her dark hair? <laughs> I did <laughs> think that looked a little weird. Yeah. I was surprised. It's like, oh, a brunette model. Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the move though, ain't it? Let's be real. You got a couple of those in the closet. Got the brunette, got the redhead, got the bald one, you know? Got it all. Got the mohawk, got the undercut. <laughs> <laughs> one for every day. Anyway, she is asking to be killed. Slay me. Fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh my God, is this Ted Bundy? Kill me. So hot. <laughs> He's so sexy. I wish he would just murder me. No, it's like I know it's like a super serious topic and everything, and like people died and whatever. It was like really sad, but God, Ted Bunny's so hot. <laughs> wow. Let me just feel his rippling abs before he strangles me to death. <laughs> wow, Ted, your packs are so hot. Oh, Ted. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Uh, All you people are ridiculous. Oh my whatever. god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Me neither. <laughs> but no, yeah, this six but can, is. Can, can I just say something about that actual topic, real quick, off topic? <laughs> if the right. if the act if the axe murderer looked like Trisha Helfer, we'd be intrigued. <laughs> Ever so slightly, we'd be intrigued. Don't lie. Hey, behind glass, I don't want to get in the same room with them. If just, I know you've chopped people apart with an axe. I'm just saying, be a little it would, it would heighten the intrigue. Um, I mean, yeah, I might be more inclined if to she, watch the documentary. If she looked like a fucking lot lizard off of, you know, Route 95 South somewhere. <laughs> lot lizard. God, you know what I'm so talking long. about. That's <laughs> oh, so funny. Mm-hmm. She wins the fucking arm wrestling competition. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. She got arm wrestling Barefoot trophies. and some cowboy boots with a fucking old cigarette. Oof. Hell yeah. God damn, dude. Oof. <laughs> Cowboy boots are too small. <laughs> Dude, I like coming up with word images you can smell. Yeah. Jean miniskirt, way uh, too small. Sequins. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. Stains. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Florida, everybody. <laughs> if I was a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me? That's the last fucking song you hear <laughs> as you succumb to the poison from the beer she grabbed you. <laughs> yeah, she she injected with a needle through the can. Oof, yeah, like, absolutely. What the fuck? Oh shit! I must be so drunk. Yeah, yeah, honey. You just- <laughs> oh my god, Elzar in the chat. What a perfect example. Hey, I worked for a guy who was in love with Casey Anthony. Ah, mm. God, what's wrong with everyone? You just end up. You just the lights just start going out while you're in the sleeper portion of the eighteen wheeler cab <laughs> with Bobby Doran playing. Oh, shit. Or some Roy Orbison. That would be another good serial Anything killer. Anything at all. 
You got it, baby. Shut your eyes, baby. In other words, that's just like when Guy's Paltar strangles six. <laughs> we're and back we're on back. track. We're here. Tangent over. <laughs> Shit, oh, man. God. Yeah, this is, dude, what a fucking moment here. Damn, dude. Because before we should say before he finds the the dying brunette six, uh, he does come across this seemingly ancient piece. Of, like it's it's a technology he doesn't recognize. He just recognizes that it's man made and that it's very old. Um, that's all he can really tell from it. And it's just laying there. Like it almost looks like a deactivated bomb or some shit. Uh, just laying there, and she's like, that's the thing that did it. We found it floating at these coordinates, and it just unleashed whatever this is, this plague, and it just started killing everyone right away. And that's when she's also like, it's you. It's your fault. You lied. You took us to these coordinates. It's all you. Dude, never thought I'd see Gaius strangle out a six. Mm. Damn, man. Wild. What's the, what's the motivation here? Um, Self-preservation. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, self-preservation. And I mean, he is on radio back at the, uh, the, the uh, connected to the, the base that he came from. And I think he doesn't want them hearing uh, her screaming that shit too loud. Mm. Yep. And nothing of consequence, he reports. Dude, mm-hmm. this is it, dude. This is the moment. This is him. Choo- you choose in this moment. Like, completely capitulating to the Cylons and giving them everything they ask for and not putting up any resistance, just turning your, you know, back to humanity is where you go... Yeah, I found this bomb thing in here. I don't know what it is. She doesn't know what it is, but evidently it's what it's what unleashed everything. I didn't know about it. It's just here. And you would just give that to them. But he doesn't. He purposely says, that's it. There's just a bunch of dead, bunch of dead Cylons here. There's nothing of consequence. I don't know what to say. You're right. And this leads to a debate from the uh, Cylon leadership. Well, what are we to do? Oof. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, he puts his ass on the line here. They still fucking blame him. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have very easily handed them that and said, I don't know what this is. It looks man-made. Didn't know about it. It's not me. Yep. But no, he keeps it mysterious, which makes it easier to blame him. Yeah. But this this conversation is uniquely human, is it not? I mean, they're uniquely saying... Uniquely human? Not, not uniquely. That's a bad way to describe it. It is... It, it mirrors the same way a conversation would go down if it was humans deciding on other humans. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and honestly, it really reminded me of that time when they're they're in the... Uh, like the presidential cabin back on New Caprica and they're all arguing and one of the Cylons uh, is just like, ah, you know, remember when decision-making was easy? Look what they've turned us into. Look at us. <laughs> bickering just like them. Yeah. And that's when they decide to just abandon the fucker. That's it. We gotta cut ourselves loose. They must be sacrificed for the greater good. Yep. And uh, Jump, it appears to be uncomfortable for the hybrid. Right, yeah, the, the, and I don't know how to interpret this. Like, there's this weird, pained f- face that she has, and she talks about end of line, love no more. Mm. And Leoben, you know, we talked about this briefly earlier. Six brings up the fact that Leoben, all of the Leobens, whatever, believe that the hybrids speaking, that weird, like, cryptic shit she says, means something, mm-hmm. that it's maybe even her speaking God's words. But the, a lot of the rest of the Cylons are just like, no, it's just her brain is like half fried and it, it's kind of like – like the frontal cortex part of her brain is not making sense. She's the, – the parts that make sense is that deeper stuff that's running the ship like a machine. Uh, whatever she's saying out loud is just like remnants of her brain just babbling. Yep. Good stuff. And uh, they continue to discuss the source of the disease, which of course Six uncovers. 
and Baltar continuously lies about nothing whatsoever. Nothing. It must have come from some place, mm. somewhere out of South Africa. South Africa. And uh, Admiral on deck. We've got a great scene coming, boy. Boy, oh boy. This is a fucking scene, man. <sighs> this is this is big dick energy Adama coming in here to put a fucking kibosh on this shit. He's like, I'm done. We're over this. Yeah, yeah. It's and this handled. This is a great scene. I think this is well handled. I think it's well written. I love that Starbuck immediately caves, as I imagine she would, as she's always always, always been this way with Adama, always never wants to disappoint always. him, is terrified of his presence. Oh, yeah. and Respects him and fears him. A hundred percent. And um, Ty's just like, dude, I'm over this. I mean, it's yeah, it's really awesome. This is a really great scene. And like we were saying, like this is that true like distillation of the idea of a tear. Like we have Adama sure. standing in the middle of them, and by the end of the scene, you know, Kara goes one way and Ty goes the other. It's mm-hmm. like you've ripped it down the middle. Give me um, your sidearm. Dude, what a fucking <sighs> what a fucking powerful ass statement and a metaphor for the whole situation of basically like what you guys are doing is so deeply divisive and and a massive problem for our fleet and and the cohesion and everything we were trying to do that you better go ahead and leave or kill me because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing you're killing all of us you're, pick you're up the weapon us. and shoot me dude <laughs> damn <laughs> pick it up and she's like i don't and she's like i didn't say talk you done plenty of that already i said pick uh, up uh, that weapon and shoot me in the head <laughs> <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> in the head. What's the matter? No guts. You don't got a pair. You're both <laughs> fracking cowards. And that's when Ty's like, watch your Ooh. mouth. Oh, I love it. <laughs> or what? You're going to turn dude. my pilots against me and poison uh, the crew? Uh, oh, damn. You've already done that. Saul, both of you. Oof. And that's so. when that's when her, her last vestige of courage is there and he just knocks her the fuck over <laughs> <laughs> well if you're looking for an apology that's not gonna it just Ugh. throws her out of her fucking chair dude done I love you were it. like a daughter to me once no more malcontented a cancer so you yeah. have a choice yeah Be- figure out how to become human again god I love it dude he is I've been saying that mostly here. in my relationship with people online I've been people calling I've been saying that they're non-persons they're not. They're not people. They're non-persons. Non-persons. I'm serious. That's what I say to people. They're non-persons. They're just. They're just. Re- Anyone online? A lot of them. Plenty of them, yeah. no. But a lot of them, yes. They're non-people. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They're just. They're essentially just like you know how you have you, you know when you were set up when you set up like a network and you have like a wireless hub and then if you want to reach further distance you put something on called a repeater. Right. Yeah. They're essentially just repeaters. They're taking the signal from whatever unquestionably and then just repeating it out. And that's, that's the extent of who they are online. They're just non-people. Right, right. Yeah. Just reverberating the same I love idea. It. I heard this somewhere else. That's amazing. I love it. And I like that he says, until you learn how to be a human. <laughs> so good. But uh, uh, Sal's got some, this is a double big dick energy. But he just is like, you're going to kick me out of my, you're going to kick me out of my chair. Dude. <laughs> Don't patronize me. Say what you came here to say. So defiant. So defiant. And he levels with him. He's like, I'm sorry. You're, uh, you're sowing discontent and disobedience. Um, 
and I can't have it. I'm trying to run a ship here. So until you're ready to act like the man I've known for 30 years. Dude, the last thing I need is a one-eyed drunk sitting down here sowing discontent and disobedience. Hell yeah. Damn, dude. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Of course, Ty empties the weapon, and he just says, that man doesn't exist anymore, Bill. You won't be seeing me anymore. Oof. So, essentially, the resignation of Colonel Ty. There you go. Holy shit. Didn't see that coming, did you? No, I did not. (laughs) Really shocked me. (laughs) So good. Jesus, dude. God damn. Uh, And yeah, what, what, what an interesting moment we see Kara just... Fucking pull the boot. This is pretty gangster. Chopping your hair off with a boot knife. Don't you love, like, how volatile her personality is that when she walks in a room, everybody's fine, everybody's fine, sticks up her leg, pulls out a boot knife, and doesn't threaten, doesn't say anything, just holds it. Everyone just watches. "Uh." (laughs) (laughs) Everybody just, oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. Let's walk away. Let's let's give her some space. I I could go, I I could have a poster in my room of her with a knife in her mouth putting her hair back. Fucking A, That's dude. a poster oh I want. That, Somebody make that happen. Fuck, that's going to be my Twitter banner now. <laughs> and then she just rips her hair off. God damn. And Ty goes to hell. Ugh, he descends into the seventh plane of hell. <laughs> and, you know, Kara does her thing. It's funny watching the way they edit this, the contrasting effects that Adama oh, has. And it's just, it's painful, man. I felt, ah, uh, this is another, like, ooh, choking me up a little bit moments here. Yeah, it's hardcore, just, man. Just watching Saul just. He's utterly pound, ruined. Ruined, man. Pounding bottles, emptying them like water. Uh, mm. And and Kara gets this really sweet moment where she goes and does reconnect with Casey and her mom and accepts a gift and accepts a hug. And it's like, you know, that's what she needed to be able to realize that, hey, it's not just a symbol of a terrible thing that happened to me. And, and maybe some of the, the desires I had for, for maybe having a child or being a mother, like this is a little kid. This is an actual person with an actual mother. And these are the people I'm protecting. Like, this is my mission and, and get my fucking act together to actually protect these people. Indeed. And Saul has just cast that shit into the incinerator. Yeah, yeah, man. Oof. And then uh, the discovery when God anger anger awakens, even the mighty fall. Frack, they knew when he got out of here. Good shit, man. They find the nebula. They find these adrift ships. Whoa, dude. Do you think? Like, obviously, you know, I, I don't know this girl's name. The the human one among them, right there. But she's like, oh my god, we gotta get out of here. And I don't blame her for thinking that. Obviously, but don't you think that you know, Boomer now Athena is like, wait a minute. This isn't how Cylons act. Like, she's got to be able to tell that, like, wait, they're something off. Like, they're not attacking us. They haven't even detected us. That raider is just spinning uncontrollably. Like, there's there's not much activity going on here. They're very much dead. Crazy. Dude. Did not know this was a two-parter. Me neither. I forgot. Oops. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think everybody? I think her name is Racetrack, by the way. Racetrack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Toy. Toy. Yeah. So, uh. Thus it ends, to be continued. Good to be continued. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um, oh yeah, racetrack, they're saying in the chat. Oh, okay. So, um, final thoughts for Torn? Boy, oh boy. Um, damn good episode, man. I really like it. It's still, you know, we have very uh, new, I would say new, but typical Cylon vagary about what the fuck they are and how they think. 
uh, but I still find it really interesting. And that's what matters, like, I, right? Right, right. Fascinating, and I and I think it still is a for me at least. I've interpreted it as alluding to more of their idea of individuality and and kind of making the world what they as individual Cylons want or need, I guess. Um, and boy, it just throws up the question of what Baltar is or is not again, very high. Uh, and I gotta say, man, I've never been more worried about Saul. Mm. Uh, what, what the hell does this mean? Where is he going to end up? I think Kara, you know, I, I think, like I said, we are seeing it, them go in opposite directions. That's the tear here is that, you know, Kara has found her way back into the fold and Saul is fallen away for now, uh, at least. Indeed. I think Kara's going to be fine. And, you know, it looks like she's getting her shit together aggressively and still with, you know, a temper there, but she's, she's doing it. I think she's going to be all right, but good fuck, stuff, man. It's such a good episode. I, I, I love the, the mystery of this virus of this disease that's attacking the Cylons, which also might be like, it's not just that Gaius didn't share that information with the Cylons. It's the fact that he has that information that he could share with the humans. That might be some shit that they could deconstruct and make the perfect Cylon weapon. Yeah, absolutely, dude. That's good shit. You know, I cool. Here's here's a way I want to clarify some of the earlier stuff we said. This is this is less. This is related peripherally to the episode, in that I don't think there's inherent virtue in race. Yeah, of course. So that's yeah. that's what I want to get back to. You know, there's no inherent virtue in in. In, hum- in humans, there's no inherent, like, it's not inherent. It's just the way they're going to behave. And if they're behaving in a way that's not good, then <laughs> that's the decision you have to make. So that goes back to what I was trying to, I was trying to articulate better the, 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 um, the thing Taylor was talking about with the, um, the race, race trader discussion. But, um, and then the other thing I want to say about this episode is this. It's cool to see the crew getting back into having to do normal things and navigating the effects of this stuff. Obviously, collaborators was a thing. We had to get through that. But now we're just seeing the general disposition of people really being spearheaded by two people, which is Ty and, and, Ty and Starbuck, which of course is unacceptable, which is because they're, they're leaders, they're looked up to. And uh, I liked seeing that this week. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, good stuff, man. I really enjoyed talking about it this week. I really like the stuff we got into with the Cylons and all that jazz. Just awesome. Uh, fun discussion to be had. So uh, good Hell stuff. In yeah. great question. Thanks for the question, Taylor. It, it uh, provoked a lot of discussion. It probably provoked 25 to 30 minutes of content. And I'm not even joking. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if people would send thought-provoking questions, it can lead to uh, nice content for us. So have make content for us, guys, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, there we have it. Yeah, we're done. We're gonna go. Matt and I uh, have a quick discussion to have uh, off air. Not, and you guys aren't invited. Sorry, we love you, but who knows? Maybe it'll turn into a bonus up someday. So don't stop your recording, Matthew. At the end of this, no sir. All right. Um, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Recommission to Battlestar Galactica podcast. Make sure uh, you share us and uh, all that jazz. Please do, and visit us on the web, libertystreetgeek.net. Or you can just go to lsgmedia.net. That's a lot easier. I'm trying to get more into that URL. It's a little more navigable. Navigable? (laughs) lsgmedia.net. All right. You guys have a good evening. I will catch you all on the flip side. (laughs) 